0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. Most parents don't have a baby and think they'll plonk it in front of a screen. But sometimes turning on the TV to ABC kids or giving them an iPad is the only way you'll get to have a shower or go to the toilet alone. The Australian Government, World Health Organisation, and other international bodies say babies under two should be having zero screen time. But how feasible is this? Dr. Kate Highfield is General Manager of Professional Learning and Research Translation at Early Childhood Australia. She has taught in early childhood and has a two-year-old of her own. Hi Kate, how are you? Oh I'm so well, thanks for having me on. Good, so uh, what's your response as a parent of a two-year-old before we get to your, um, put your professional hat on with the idea of no screen time at all?
1: I'm really sorry but I laugh at this, (laughs) I (laughs) find this so amusing. Um, But as a researcher and as a parent, you know there was a, a study that came out about a week or so ago from the University of Queensland that said, shockingly, children under two are using screens. And I just ro- roared with laughter. I did find that highly amusing.
0: <laughs> Shocking. But the, the, I, I kind of feel that the people who aren't parents or people who had kids before screens were a thing are the ones that are shocked. Parents aren't shocked so much, right? It's the other people looking at parents with young kids going, how dare you use a screen with your child? Exactly.
1: And I I think what's really interesting is that we are the first generation growing up with this immersion in screens. Um, You know, if you really think about it, uh, even 20 years ago, although we had televisions and phones, we didn't have these portable devices that were um, as prevalent as they are today. So we're really navigating this new territory as a generation.
0: And are we talking about iPads and phones with the under twos, or is it... TV? I think we're talking about all three.
1: In fact, the researchers, we're talking about all three. Um, and for for me, with my nearly two-year-old, she absolutely um, is fascinated by a phone because phones take photos. Phones are how we communicate. Phones are how she gets in touch with grandma. You know, she understands that the phone does all of those exciting things and she's keen to use it. She's also modelling using phones because she's seen me use a phone and children are the biggest mimics in the entire world. Um, and, And... that's not just phones. Of course, it's iPad, tablets, and most of us have a television somewhere in our house.
0: Now, when I was talking about you know, other people without kids looking at parents with young children on screens, the biggest um, judgment seems to be that it's um, bad parenting, that we're not looking after our kids, that we're just plonking them in front of the screen as a babysitter. But you've just outlined two ways that young children under two are using screens that have nothing to do with that. It's about the the environment they're growing up in. Mm. How complex is the picture of the way children under two are using screens? I think we have to
1: acknowledge that there are a, a, there is times in the day when many parents do use the screen as a digital babysitter. For me, it's when I have a shower in the morning. <laughs> yes. Um, the wiggles are on for 10 minutes every morning so I can have a shower. And it's a babysitter. It keeps her absolutely absorbed and that's fantastic. I have no guilt over that whatsoever because that's really the only television we have during the day. But my daughter, and in fact many other children, are using screens lots of times through the day to take photos, to look back at uh, things, to look at digital books, to communicate. Oh my goodness! The research on FaceTime for communication over distance shows what incredible benefits it can bring for children in building relationships and building language skills. So. It's not just a babysitter, it's these multiple ways that a screen can used and be used. And I I get very nervous about the phrase screen time because screen time could be watching something that's truly horrible and dangerous for a child, or it could be communicating with grandma, which is wonderful and amazing. So I think we need to have a better conversation about what's actually happening on the screen.
0: So when uh, this report come, came out and said you know, children under, under 2 should be using, it shouldn't have any screen time at all, what are the harmful effects that the use of screens are having on young children? Okay, so for under
1: 2s, we're really concerned that screens will displace other things. So We know uh, through our understanding of brain development that serve and return when a mother or a father or any caregiver engages with the child and listens to the child and then engages back in a a game of serve and return of, of language, of gesture, of facial expressions when we're having those beginning communication skills, we know that that interaction is absolutely essential. So the concern is that when we have screens around, that it will displace those types of interactions. Um, we know that children learning to uh, move, to sit up, to crawl, they're completely um, fundamental to, to under twos and again the concern is if they're plonked in front of a screen that that might limit their movement or limit their engagement so what we're really worried about for under twos is a displacement effect that the screen displaces other really valuable activities and we'll be honest that is a concern
0: can I just ask, with so-called excessive screen time, I'm not even sure how you define that, yeah. but are there any concerns in terms of the child's brain development itself? Like I, I'm thinking about um, warnings of us as adults not having phones near our heads when we go to sleep and the effect of the blue screen on um, rates of melatonin and how we sleep, et cetera. Are there physi- physiological effects that we should be concerned about?
1: Yeah, there certainly are. So one of the physiological things that we're concerned about with children, particularly in the age of three to five, are postural concerns. You know, a child who's sitting with the iPad on their lap will probably have an over-pronated neck. Uh, the neck is in an awkward situation. So we should be using uh, the tech Uh, ironically, often lying on our tummy or sitting in various positions, not staying in the one static position for a long time. So we do worry about that physical posture piece. We also worry about eyesight. Um, uh, Ironically, when books were printed as well, we worried about eyesight then. But but, um, (laughs) it's that idea of having sustained focus at one focal point, so one point of vision. Again, it's when we we have the device set in a set set position and that's why I'm so horrified by those bouncers that have um, iPads in them because it's actually setting a focal length and it's not allowing our eye muscles to develop appropriately.
0: Goodness, I hadn't even heard of them.
1: Oh, my goodness. There's a whole world out there of terrifying toys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, listen, um, of course, one of the biggest problems in families um, would have to be the way we as adults use our phones. I am completely addicted to my phone. And I don't mean that I'm on it all the time, but I'm drawn to it in a way that's quite disturbing. Mm-hmm. What do we have to do as parents? How important is it for children under two that parents have more uh, self-control with their own phones or do we have to worry when they're a bit older?
1: No, 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 it's, it's that's when it starts, that we need to really be focusing on our own use, first of all. Um, children are incredible mimics. That's how they learn about the world. They learn by watching us and doing what we are doing. So if we are constantly on our phones, and this is something I have to remind myself of as well, then that's what our children see and that's what they think is normal. Um, Christy Goodwin is doing some amazing work for parents on how they tame their own screen time, and I'd really encourage you to chat with her about that. Uh, in the future um, or for parents to look up her website. Um, for me, the biggest trick is turning off notifications. So my phone no longer buzzes. It doesn't have a little peep or a squeak or a a, a a little notification on it when I get a message that gets dealt with in my time when it suits me. And because I'm not having that every minute reminder of an email or a text or a whatever, i um, I'm less distracted by it. I've also made sure that when I come home at night and I put the car keys in the bowl by the door, I also put my phone in the bowl by the door, that I'm choosing to then have time to engage with the family, which I think is a fundamental thing that we all have to be practicing. Now, the second piece to this is I believe that we need to be talking to children about what we're doing on the phone. There was a study of uh, slightly older children where they perceived that mum and dad were playing on the phone uh, rather than doing something constructive. So the parents could be uh, doing uh, an email or organising the soccer rotation, but because the child's their experience of the phone was games and fun, they had this idea that, uh, that that's what their parents were doing. So we need to be taking time to articulate what are we doing um, I just have to send a quick message. Look at me, I'm typing some messages and I'm going to send that to dad. Um, I'm just writing a quick shopping list so that when we go to the shops, we know what to do. If we're talking to our children about what we're doing, the purpose we're using the phone for, then I think that helps them have a better understanding that it's not just all about being distracted. Um, you know, sometimes we have to write an essential work email. That happens to me often. Uh, and taking a moment to say, darling, I'll be with you in a second. I just have to send this quick email to whoever. I think sometimes that process of articulation helps children understand, but also helps them understand that it's not going to go on for hours and hours and hours on the end. Um, it's
0: a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, but I I'm you've told me that before and I have started trying to do that, but I love the idea of putting your phone in a, in a bowl when you enter the house because it feels mm. like these people can sometimes see those things as being restrictive, but at the same time, as you mentioned, we've never had the impact of screens on family life like we do today. Mm-hmm. So we need new boundaries for ourselves and for our families. Mm. I and doing? I have
1: to I have to be the first person to say I am not perfect at this. I am absolutely still learning and I'm learning more through what my daughter does. Um, I have two phones. I have a work phone and a private phone. She speaks in a different tone on the work phone <laughs> than she does on my home phone like when, she, when she's modelling it. And that horrifies me. I find it highly amusing, <laughs> but it also is such a lesson that she understood the different purposes. Um, mm. And, and it's, it's a daily reminder to really think about that modelling piece.
0: Now, what tech tips do you have for parents and carers for the under twos in terms of what, you, how you could use screen time with your child in a healthy way?
1: Beautiful. I love this question. Thank you for asking that.
0: <laughs> um, because for me,
1: this tech genie is out of the bottle. We can't put it back. We have got to u- learn to use it well. So for me, we have to be modelling good technology use. This idea of banning tech is just, ridiculous. We can't go back in time. What we can do is help our children from a really young age to use it well. My favourite ways to use tech with under twos is, first of all, as a communicative tool. Um, uh, my parents live about three hours away, so often uh, we will FaceTime and have us share a story or share dinner or have a cup of tea together. It creates that bond, that ability to communicate and communicate over distance. Um, My sister lives less than a suburb away and we still FaceTime her (laughs) Um, and the children love it. They love that opportunity to communicate. So first of all, communication. The second way I use it most is going back and looking at photos and talking about what we did on those days. So when my daughter was about 15 months old, we found ourselves at Melbourne Zoo. We had the most wonderful day looking at animals. Now, she was only 15 months old and there's no way she could have a living memory of that day. That's nearly six months ago. Um, But what she does have is a collection of photos of her looking at animals and a huge vocabulary around talking about those animals just by looking at photos. And in many ways, that correlates with the research we know on children reading books, that when we read a story and we re- relate it to the child's life, that's when language develops in a really effective way. It's the talking about the book that's in, in many ways very powerful for them to choose. And so using photos to talk about, remember when we went to the beach and the water was cold, it helps build language um, and communication. So those are my two favorite ways. Um, my third way probably is watching Wiggles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's for her, right? Or do you the enjoy absurd. that too?
1: Absolutely. And a great way for me to get up and have a dance. Oh, I you love know, it. It's just fantastic. You know, stream, streaming digital radio or... Um, you know, jumping in and having a box together is a really nice way to model physical activity. And it's something you don't have to be connected to the radio, do you? You know, it's there and then. So Kate, my, those are my three.
0: <laughs> that's so such good advice as always. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me on.
0: That's Dr. Kate Highfield. She's the General Manager of Professional Learning and Research Translation at Early Childhood Australia. And for more on this topic, check out the links in the notes of this episode, including a link to Christy Goodwin's website. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.